So we're going to get right down to business. Get right into the word of God tonight. All right, open up, turn your Bibles to, uh, let me see here. I'm going to pick up where I left off um, Sunday, you know. I was kind of sharing with you guys my heart, you know, some things that God had been giving me um, as I've been kind of just studying the scriptures. So I want to just continue on that path and, uh, you know, continue to share my heart a little bit with you. But if you have your Bibles, turn into Genesis chapter 8, and we're going to read there verses uh, 20 and 22, 20 through 22. Now, this is right after, you know, um, you know, God destroys the earth with a flood, and Noah and his family come out of the ark, you know. And then when that happens, you know, um, Noah offers an offering to the Lord. And um, we'll get into it. But Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. Now I'm reading the Amplified Version. It says, And Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Bible says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, a soothing and satisfying scent. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man. So he lifts, he lifts the curse from the ground, you know. And he says, for the intent or the strong inclination and desire of a man's heart is wicked from his youth. And he says, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. Or with a flood, he'll never do that again. And then he makes this decree. And this is what I want to get into for a little bit. He says, while the earth remains. Now let me ask you a question. Is the earth still remaining? It's still here right now, right? So as long as this earth remains, you know, God said these things are going to be in effect. And he said one of those things will be seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night, he says, shall not cease as long as the earth remains. Now, if you walked outside, you know, I'm sure you can tell that there's cold is still in existence, right? It's still going on. <laughs> Winter is still in existence. As long as the earth remains, God said, these things are going to be in existence. You know, we just came out of a hot summer. There was heat. There was summer. Now we're into winter, right? It was still a little nice today, but still a little cold, right? So I had to put that heat on. So he says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be cold and heat. There's going to be winter and summer, day and night. It's nighttime right now. He said, these things will not cease. But the other thing that he mentions will not cease is seed time and harvest. Right? So I put here, see, at this moment, God communicates one of the greatest laws that he ever communicates, which is, which is sowing and reaping, along with some other, other laws that he put down. But... These things have been in existence ever since this, this um, ever since God makes this decree. Sowing and reaping, or seed time and harvest, again, is one of the most powerful laws that God has ever created. And this law states that if you want something multiplied, all you have to do is find the seed for it and plant it. Whatever that is. If you, if you can find seed for it and plant it, you can get a harvest of it. After a time period, It'll multiply into harvest of uh, seed that you sow. Now, the most common examples of this is when you look at plants, fruits, vegetables, right? You see that if you sow these seeds, you'll reap a harvest, right? If you sow tomato seeds, you're going to reap tomatoes. 
You know, if you sow apple seeds, you're going to reap apples. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's most commonly seen in, in nature, right? Whatever kind of seed you want, right? You go to, the, you go to um, Home Depot, and you look at the front, there's all these seeds in this little, this little you know, packet, and then it has a picture of a beautiful yellow flower or red flower or whatever, right? And, and if you take those seeds and you plant it in the ground, you'll get a harvest of it. Whatever was on the front of that package will grow up. That's the amazing thing, you know? The seed, God, God created everything to have its seed on the inside of itself. And it has the ability to multiply. Even people. If we sow a seed, right? If males sow a seed into a female, you will reap. And reproduce a child, right? Everything and everything, you know, God created it like that for the seed to be in itself. But this is not just a natural principle, it's also a spiritual principle. There are all kinds of natural and spiritual seeds, right? This is both a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because seeds you sow can work for you or against you. That's how it works, you know. Words are seeds. Whenever you speak, you, you, you're sowing seeds. It's like your, it's like your mouth is like, um, you know, like one of those shooter things, man. You just start spraying seeds all over the place. And that's why you have to be careful about the words that you speak. Because as the Bible says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. So you just, you just can't say whatever you want to say and think that you're not going to reap harvest. You know, eventually you're going to reap. What you sown, you start talking junk out your mouth, you'll reap a whole, you'll, see, it, it always reproduces more than what you've sown. That's true. That's true. Now, but here, you know, if you sow love, then that's what you'll reap. You start sowing hate, you're going to reap hate. You know, whatever you start sowing, you're going to reap it in harvest form. Being friendly is a seed. You know, the Bible says that if you want friends, you must show yourself friendly. Amen. Mercy is a seed. <laughs> and that's why God tells you to be merciful by forgiving those that hurt you. Because if you don't forgive others, right, when you forgive others, you're sowing a seed. And if you don't forgive others, God says he can't forgive you. So you, when you sow, if you, when you sow mercy, then you can you can look to God to reap mercy. But when you sow unforgiveness, you know when you're unmerciful, you're unkind. Don't be surprised when you start reaping that. Now, he tells you not to judge, so that you won't be judged. So you got to be careful, you know. You start, you know, loosening all of this judgment on people, and then you're you're living, you know, loose. You're you're living loose yourself, or you. See again, better be gotta be careful with the seeds that you sow. Judgment is a seed that produces a harvest of judgment for the wrongs that you've committed. <laughs> so you have to be careful who you're judging. Careful who you're being unmerciful to. See, all of these things are seeds, and they come back and harvest for them. Now, of course, money's a seed, right? If you want more of it, you got to sow it. 
That's why God instituted the principle of tithes and offerings and overall giving. See, he put a practice in motion so that he could get involved in your finances. And when you sow financial seeds, you're able to reap financial seeds as a harvest. So all of these different things are seeds. And God put these things in motion on this day. He began to release this. He says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. Now, let me, let me, let me talk to you real quick. This is what I wanted to get to. I wanted to talk to you about the, the key to not missing out on your harvest, especially if you're sowing good seeds. Amen? Amen. In Genesis 6, I mean, excuse me, not Genesis, Galatians 6. Now we're going to watch, see this. We saw the Old Testament version of this. Now we're going to look at it in the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, in the Amplified, it says there, um, it says, the one who has taught the word of God is to share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his spiritual and material support. A lot of people skip over that, you know, because they, they, they get mad at preachers, you know, get money and stuff like that, or receiving compensation for work they do in ministry. And, but, the, but the Bible says it clearly, the one who has taught the word of God, right? They are supposed, supposed to share all good things with his teacher, <laughs> contributing to his spiritual and material support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something. You skip right over that and just go to the next part. But see, but God put certain things in the Bible so that you, you, you understand that this is something that's supposed to happen. You know, somebody, somebody showed me something, um, and this is a little, just a little bit off topic, but it's, it's, it's on topic. You know, somebody shared something um, on Facebook, and, and it, it, it just really, it, it really um, blew my mind. I, I'll, I'll show you, I'll read this to you real, real quick. They put here, you know, it's really hilarious listening to the critics of pastors and churches always referencing pastors are only in it for the money, right? Mm. And then they put, what money? <laughs> and he said, out of 300,000 churches in America, the average salary of a pastor is $27,000 a year. Right, right. See, people look at the, you know, the couple of pastors just making all of this money and, and they get crazy. But... Out of the 300,000 churches, the average salary is $27,000. Who wants to live off of just $27,000 a year? And it says 76% of pastors work secular jobs. More than half, the three, uh, a third, a third of pastors, you're talking about only 25, 4% work full-time in ministry. Everybody else got to get uh, day jobs. Uh-huh. And I'm one of them. <laughs> and it says that churches are operated by 12% giving to the congregation, which means 88% don't give anything on a regular basis. 88% of the people in the church, and it's so true, give nothing. Or, or every once in a while, you know. And I love it. You know, it says, stop this foolishness. It says, it's your doctor, dentist, boss, lawyer, clothing designer, car dealer, club and restaurant owner, and favorite entertainer that gets rich off of you, not your pastor. (laughs) I was cracking up when I saw that. But, you know, people get so crazy, you know. And they they get so crazy, you know. 
and they don't pay attention. You know, they, they, they think that everybody lives like that. Everybody don't live like that. Every pastor don't live like that. There's no way. So anyway, I thought that was funny. I said, let me share that. <laughs> but you know, but it's so true, you know. But see, but the scriptures say, right? The one who is, to see, it's, it's supposed to be something that, that should happen. Right? Because, because I mean, somebody asked me one time, and I'm really off topic, but somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, uh, are you pastor part-time? I said, I said, there ain't no such thing as part-time pastor. I said, you either all in or you ain't. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, preaching is a very small piece of pastoring a church. A very small piece. This is the fun part, to be honest with you. You got people calling you, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, they got this going on, that going on, you know, somebody, you know, people reaching out now, especially more than ever, you know, this family member got the coronavirus, this person got this going on, you know, people struggling financially. They got to get all kinds of calls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got to do funerals and then weddings, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I don't ask for a dime for any, any of that stuff. Counseling people, I don't say, you know, okay, now, you know, you talk to me for an hour. Um, you know, like, $100 an hour, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying, it's like, you know, and they think, you know, well, you, then, then they get upset if a pastor gets paid. With all of the work that, that you do as a pastor, if you did that much work on your job and they didn't pay you, you you'd be real upset. They tell you, well, no, you shouldn't have to be paid for that, you know, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> on your job. <laughs> you know, I have businesses where I have to, you know, work all day and then, you know, got to go counsel somebody and sit down with them for a couple hours after I worked all day. <laughs> but, you know, people are crazy, man. But, you know, but see the scriptures, right? It says the one who has taught the word of God, right, is to share all good things with his teacher. Contributing to his spiritual and material support. Now, I don't want that. I'm just saying that that's what the scriptures talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, but see, again, it's the scriptures. Now, and then it goes to, don't be deceived. Mm -hmm. So I, right after it says, do, to do that, see, because that's a seed that you sow. Mm -hmm. Right after it says that, it says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and this only will he reap. Right after it says that. See, everybody skips over that part and just goes right to be not deceived. But see, I'm here to teach you the scriptures and not that you just kind of glance over the Bible. And it says, for the one who sows to his flesh will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And then it said, and that's what I really wanted to get to. I didn't want to talk about all that stuff. It says, and let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap if we don't give in. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. See, we learn a real key here to how to reap your harvest. That is, you cannot grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. Or don't get discouraged while you're in your sowing and waiting period. Seed, time, and harvest. Don't get discouraged while you're in that sowing and while you're in that waiting period. For at the proper time, 
or when the waiting time has elapsed, you will reap if you don't give in, if you don't faint, give up, or quit before time. Mm. I'm going to get into this. So the key to reaping is not to allow yourself to become discouraged while you're sowing and waiting. Now, to be discouraged means that you lose confidence or that you lose faith. See, here you are sowing seeds. And then you're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. Right? And you're waiting. Not right now, sweetie. And you're waiting. You're, you're, you're waiting. You're believing God. You're waiting. And then the devil starts discouraging you. He starts telling you, see, you don't sold that money for nothing. You don't sold all that love for nothing. You know, some people, you know, that, that, that um, have sold love and have done well, not done treated people really, really good, and stuff like that. And those people didn't respond. But see, what happens is people falsely believe that because you sow a seed in a particular place, you're supposed to reap it from that same place. <laughs> see, oftentimes what will happen is you may sow a seed to this person, but then reap a harvest somewhere else. So you be good to this person, they treat you like garbage. But you'll reap a harvest of other people. Multiple other people that treat you good. But see, what the devil wants to do is he wants you to focus on that person. I treated that person good. I did them well. and This is how they treat me. And not think about how all these other people treat you real good. See, you sowed it here, but see, you, 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 you're, it's, it's a harvest you're going to reap. You're going to reap much more. And it may not be in that same place. It may be over here. You know what I'm saying? You start, you know, you start sowing finances, and then you know, you know, you believe in God. You believe in God. You know, and then the devil starts trying to discourage you. See, you gave that money for nothing. See, I told you, man. I told you that preachers just want your money. They lie to you. <laughs> see what you don't see again. See, the enemy is trying to discourage you, and I like see that definition. I like that. It says to lose confidence or to lose faith. That's what to be discouraged means. You lose confidence. You know, you start off with confidence. You start off in faith. You're sowing, sowing my seeds. I'm going to believe God for a harvest, you know. And then as you're in your waiting period, the devil starts discouraging you. He's working on you, trying to discourage you. Now, never forget, faith is the key to receiving promises. So when you lose faith, you also... Uh, you know, begin to lose your hold on the promise. And I put here, without faith, again, it's impossible to please God. When you allow discouragement to set in, you stop trusting and believing God. When that happens, you're one step away from quitting. And that's what the devil really wants you to do. He wants you to quit. Because that's the only thing that can stop you from reaping your harvest. You quitting. You throwing in the towel and saying, I'm done with this. I ain't doing it no more. See, I've I, I, I learned something about, about God, you know. I've learned something, you know. And that is this. See, God don't come quickly. He comes suddenly, though. Right on 
You know what I'm saying? He he don't come quickly. You know, it's not you know not gonna sow a seed today and see it probably see it come up tomorrow. You're not gonna that's not gonna happen. But if you're willing to hold on and not lose confidence in God, you will reap if you don't faint. And when it comes up, I mean, if things start happening so fast, that's why I got it. We work suddenly. Things start happening so quickly, like you, it'll it'll blow your mind. Your head will start spinning. How how suddenly God begins to move. But that's only if you can hold on until you reap. And see, one other thing I learned about God is that see, you got to get you got to get started. It's like that first harvest is the most difficult one. That's, that's the first one. Because, you know, you're, cause you're waiting, you know, a long period of time. But then when you reap, if you're still sowing, then by the time that next, that harvest runs out, you'll be running into the next harvest. So you can actually live a life where you're, you're perpetually, you're always in harvest time. You're always reaping. You, you can get to that place if you continue to, to in faith, sow seeds. Now, there's a scripture that talks about how the, 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 the reaping time is going to overtake the seed sowing time. So in other words, here you are, you, you sow your seeds, you reap this harvest, you're still sowing, you're still sowing, you're still sowing. And then you, by the time that, that, that harvest runs out, boom, you got you another harvest. And it's like you're always, always living in harvest. But you just got to get past that first one. And, and the devil works on you hard trying to stop you from getting to that first one. And then the second thing that he does is he, he tries to uh, he think, he tries to make you think that because you got this harvest, that's all it is. That's not it. You got to keep sowing so that you can get you another harvest. Yeah. Never stop sowing because you'll always run into another harvest. All right, I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to share some things with you, you know. Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you don't faint. That's the key to reaping your harvest. Never quit. Never lose, never lose faith in God. Never lose courage in God. Always believe that he's coming through for you. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, so let me, let me, let me. Let me move on. Let me move on. See, because I'm just sharing my heart with you from some things that I, I, I've learned, you know. Some things that I'm learning. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm like a, like a little kid again reading these scriptures. But um, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 through 27. Now, these are just some thoughts that I have. And now, again, this is about Noah, right? And, and the story of Noah, especially after the flood, teaches us a lot. Once he comes out that boat, we learn a lot about Noah and about his family. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 27, it says there, the sons of Noah who came out of the ark are Shem and Ham and Japheth. Right? So you have three sons. And it says, and Ham would become the father of Canaan, right? Which is eventually the land that, that Israel takes over. Those people that they conquer are the Canaanites, right? And then some of these other ites, right? But these are the sons of, of Ham. And it says there, these are the three sons of Noah. And from these men, the whole earth was populated 
and scattered with inhabitants. I want you to listen to this. And Noah began to farm and cultivate the ground. He planted a vineyard. So here he is, right? All this time, he's been, he's been building an ark for God for years. For years and years and years. Mm -hmm. He's focused, man. I mean, he's building an ark for God. And he goes through this whole thing where the whole earth is destroyed. Him, only him and his family are saved. Now he gets out of the ark. He got nothing else to do for God. And he starts, the Bible says he starts playing. He becomes a husbandman, the, the, um, the King James says. And the Bible says, so he grew these, these grapes, right? And he says, he drank some of the wine and he got drunk. <laughs> no, it's our drinking his wine. He gets drunk. And the Bible says, and he was uncovered and lay exposed inside his tent. Now here he is, naked in the tent. He, he drunk like crazy, man. I mean, he just passed out in his tent. No clothes on. <laughs> and it says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw by accident the nakedness of his father. And to his father's shame, he told his brothers outside. And so the brothers, so Shem and Jacob took a robe and put it on both of their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. They wouldn't look at their father exposed like that. Their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. So they covered him. You know. See, Ham uncovered him by telling his brothers what he saw. Instead of covering his father up, he goes outside and tells his brothers about what happened. But his, his brothers cover him. And it says, and when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his younger son, uh, Ham, had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, the son of Ham, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And he says, And may God enlarge the land of Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Now, let me just get into a couple of things here real quick. Now, again, these are just thoughts I'm having. What happened with Noah happens to many people. As long as they have a mission to accomplish, they're focused. The moment that Noah's mission was over and he had idle time on his hands, he grows wine and he gets drunk. Wow. <laughs> now, people like this, they need to constantly be looking for the next thing to do. Amen. Not have idle time on their hands. For some people, the work they do for God is keeping them saved. <laughs> Ain't no question about that. When we were younger in God, my wife and I, we were always in church. <laughs> that was keeping us saved when we was younger. <laughs> it was my wife was in church almost every day. <laughs> Over at Bishop Barber's almost every day. She was doing something for the church. And then I was working like crazy for the church. That stuff kept us saved. It kept us from being together and messing around. You know, it kept, it kept us clean, you know. Amen. And we were really concerned about, you know, what would happen if we did something crazy, you know. So we, we stayed, kept us straight. And um, see, I was staying busy for God. She was staying busy for God. We didn't have no idle time. We had no time to mess around. As a result, we didn't go on too many dates. Most of our relationship was over the phone, right? 
because she was working for God and so was I. And I believe that it really kept us, you know. Because some, because sometimes, you know, because the idle mind of the, you know, people say is the devil's workshop, you know. And you are, you know, you ain't got nothing, nothing to do. And then here, the devil starts working on your mind, and he starts trying to entice you to do this and entice you to do that. So don't, don't allow yourself to become idle. Find something to do. Spend time with God. Pray. Read the Word of God. Do something. Get, get, stop being idle. Find something to do. Put your hands to something. Now, that's one thing. Now, the second thing is what I really want to get to. We see there here that his son comes in and he sees his father at his most vulnerable point. Yeah. At, his most, at his lowest point. But instead of covering him up, he tells his brother about his failures. To this point, Noah has done nothing wrong. Think about this. In fact, Noah is the only reason why Ham, his wife, his brothers are even alive. Because Noah's the one that found favor with God, not them. <laughs> he rescued them on, on, on GP because of, because of Noah. <laughs> you know? So God saved his family all because of Noah. Now that he makes one mistake, his son exposes him. Man. Now, unfortunately, this is how a lot of people react when men and women of God trip up. Instead of covering them up, they expose them. They gossip about them. And the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Right? We just talked about seeds. Right? This is the connection. We just talked about seeds. Uncovering people is a seed that if you do that stuff, you'll have to reap it. Nobody's perfect. Only body that's perfect is Jesus. That's it. Everybody makes mistakes. And I put here, be careful who you expose and gossip about. Because one day, you're going to have to read that. See, and now, as a result of that seed that he sowed, he became, his people became a, a servant to his brothers. Their whole land was conquered, you know, by Israel. As a result of this seed that he sows uncovers his father. His father's done nothing to him. His father has been nothing but good to all of them. Say rescue their lives. Everybody, the whole planet died. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole planet, the whole planet died. Not, not just people, animals, everything died. And they are, they are kept alive because of the righteousness of, Ab of, uh, of Noah. Yeah. Because he walked with God. And now, you know, he gets, he gets drunk, he messes up, you know, and instead of covering his father, he uncovers him. You got to learn, man. You got to learn who you put your mouth on. You got to be right. careful with that. Yeah. Don't teach that. Teach. Teach. Now, be careful about that stuff. All right, now. You know, so you got a gossiping spirit. You know, you got to, you know, get that thing off of you. You know, and if you've got friends as gossipers, stay away from that. Don't be sitting on the phone gossiping with people. You know, if you, if you, I got news for you. 
You get on the phone with a gossiper and you start gossiping with people, eventually you get off that phone, they're gonna get on somebody on the phone with somebody else and gossip about you. That gossip, man, is is is, is nasty, man. You know, and it assassinates people in their character. I don't like people talking to me about people. I I, I can't stand that stuff. You know, and I, I stay away from that because I don't like I don't like no gossip stuff. Because I don't want nobody, I don't want to sow no seeds that I, that I'm, see, you got to be careful. You got to start thinking about it. I always tell people, you know, if you don't, if you don't want it, don't sow it. That's right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, you know, I try my best not to be judgmental. I try my best not to be unmerciful. Why? Because I don't want to reap that. <laughs> I don't gossip because I don't want to reap that. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't sow stuff that you don't want to reap. All right, I got a couple more minutes. I got a couple more minutes. All right, and I'm just, you know, again, I'm just sharing my sharing some stuff with me. I promise you, now I'll do a real message for you maybe on Sunday. How about that? <laughs> just kind of sharing my heart with you tonight. All right, so let's talk about, go to Genesis chapter 11. I want to talk to you about this and get ready to close. But Genesis chapter 11. And you know, all of these all of these beautiful principles, you know, are, are just, I mean, right in the beginning of the Bible. See, because if you want to know what the end is going to look like or should look like, go back to the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Go back to the beginning and start checking those things out. Look how God created things because that's how he intended it to be. That's what he was looking for. You know, and then as a result of the corruption of man, they start messing up everything that God put in place. So if you want to see how things should be, you go back to the beginning. But Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9, it says, Now the whole earth spoke one language, and they used the same words. Now, you know, some people, you know, say that, that Adam, Adam spoke in the spirit, you know, because he wasn't taught a language. You know, he wasn't taught, he didn't speak English or French, he wasn't taught no language. <laughs> so they said he had open, unbroken communication with God, you know, and, and the language that we have now that's unbroken as far as a, a, a um, language spoken with God is speaking in the spirit. When we pray in tongues, we pray a perfect language to God that he un only he understands. And it says, but the whole earth was, spoke one language and used the same words. And it says, as the people journeyed eastward, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And the Bible says, they said one to another, come, let us make bricks and fire them thoroughly. And he says, so they used brick for stone as building material, and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach into the heavens. And let us make a famous name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered into separate groups and be dispersed over the surface of the entire earth as the Lord instructed the, the, uh, the Amplified says. See, God, see, this was the biggest issue with what they were doing. See, God was trying to populate the earth, and they were trying to, and instead of populating the earth, they were trying to all stay together. And this is what God instructed them. He instructed them to populate the planet. Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one unified people, 
And they all have the same language. And he says, this is only the beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me. <laughs> and now no evil thing they imagine they can do will be impossible for them. Not one thing. And he says, come let us go down and they're confused and mix up their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the surface of the entire earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, the name of the city was, was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the entire earth and from that place, the Lord scattered and dispersed them over the surface of the entire earth. Now listen to this. Here we see, you know, these people coming together to accomplish really a, a demonic goal. But, and apparently God didn't, he didn't want everybody to gather together to one place. His goal was to have them spread out and populate the earth. But these people decided they didn't want to be separated. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. So God had to intervene by confusing their language. Now what's interesting about this is the fact that even God had to come down from heaven to see for himself what they were trying to accomplish. I mean, he had, he had to come down and, and, I mean, and see it. I mean, look at it himself. And even he had to say that nothing will be impossible for them because of their unity. See, that's a real word there. There's nothing like a unified people. Now, see, they were doing a demonic thing being unified. But if you can get together, unified, and a common right goal, Nothing. See, God, God lays a principle there. Nothing that you try to do will be impossible for you. See, this is a tremendous story about the power of being unified. When unity is present, limitations are removed. See, that's the problem, though, because, you know, the devil tries so much to separate us. Because if we were unified in any way, we would not be able to be limited in anything we try to do. This is the power of unity and being in agreement. If you can get a people to come together with a common goal in mind, they will accomplish it through teamwork. As long as everybody's in agreement about a common goal and are speaking the same thing, they will accomplish their goal. The issue is confusion and the inability to communicate. You see, when the lines of communication are torn down, the work ceases. Communication is the lifeline to any healthy and successful relationship, whether that's a romantic relationship, a friendship, or business partners, right? If you can communicate to one another, the relationship will be successful. When the lines of communication are broken, the relationship will begin to deteriorate, and eventually, It'll come to an end. See, they have to stop building. Once they can no longer communicate to one another, once their language was confused and they didn't understand one another, see, that's what happens when you get into strife. You, you're, you're talking, but I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. It's like you're speaking a foreign language to me. I, I, you know, you're, you're trying to communicate to me, you know, your stance on it. But because we're in strife, you know, I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. You know, your, your, your communication is, you know, is, my, our lines are broken, man. I, I, can't, I can't receive from you. 
I, I can't receive from you, man. So when you get like that, you have to separate yourselves from one another. You can't, you can't, you can't continue to build anything. You know. And we see that so much even right now, even today. Right? I mean, you, 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 you see that, man. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, people of color, black people start talking about something. Then, you know, the white people start talking about something. And our communication, we're both talking English. We're both speaking English. Right? But, but the communication, man, it's like, you know, we just, we're not connecting, man. It's like, I don't understand what you're saying. They're saying, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> and then, then, we're, then they say something, and we're like, oh, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> and there's no communication. And because of that, there's a division. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that it is, it's, and it's just something that's the devil, it's demonic, you know. He don't, he don't want people to unite. Because if they did, there's nothing that would be able to be held back. You, we'd be able to accomplish anything, you know. But because you know the communication lines are down, just like these guys, when they could not communicate anymore, they have to separate from one another, stop building, the work stopped. You know, the the city had to lay in ruins because they could no longer communicate to one another. So that, that that's the key, man. We have to we have to pray for unity. You know what I'm saying? As we have to pray for unity. Somehow, you know, that you know see what the devil is doing is he's you know, I've talked about this before. Have you ever, you know, you know, been in a relationship and you get into strife or whatever, you know? And what happens is it's like you're trying to communicate something and what you're saying. You know, when that person hears it, it's not what you said. They heard something completely different from what you said. Like your your heart is communicating something, and you're saying it right, and you think that you're saying it in a way that they should understand. But by the time it hits their ears, is 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 completely distorted. It's I mean completely different from what you said. And and you know I I I like to think of it. I think it's like. Like it's like a like a demon standing between, like a demonic filter standing between. You you speak, you know, and it's right when it comes out your mouth. But when it goes through this demonic filter, this devil that perverts what you said, and it gets over to the to that person, they hear something completely different. I mean, and it and instead of you know, and you're trying to be kind or whatever, and instead of calming it down, it blows the thing up. And you start arguing worse than you were before. Like, and it's like, that's not what I said. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. that's, that's not what I said. They repeat back to you what you, you know, what you say. Like, I didn't say that. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? I didn't say that. It's the devil is right between you, man. When you guys try to speak, you speak, and it's like. And then it just sets the person on fire, you know? And it's like, man, I was really trying to <laughs> be nice, you know? But that's what we're, we're witnessing. Even in this country, we're witnessing that. You have sides, you know? 
And then you say something, and they, they, you know, people like, I can tell people carefully scripted, you know, like everything they were writing on Facebook, right, that whole paragraph of stuff, you know, and then you and then you get this whole lot of people going crazy on what the person said. The person like, like, what? Like, like, how much more clear can I be? Like, you know, like. I mean, I thought, like, you know, they thought it through before they type, before they hit send. They, they thought it through, man. I mean, they script, they got their research, man, and then went to Google it. They went everywhere. Trying, but by the time they hit send, that was it, man. Set the whole Facebook on fire. I feel going crazy. You know, but that's how, that's how the devil operates, man. Because he's trying to cause division. You know, he, he's trying to cause a division. Now, see, you don't see just like God didn't want these people to get together for a demonic purpose. The devil don't want to get people together for a godly purpose. So he tries. So he tries to do. See, see, the devil is can only imitate. So he saw what happened when God came down and confused their language. And he said, oh, that's how, you, that's how you stop people from working together. You confuse their language. See, you don't, you don't, you don't make people talk in different languages because he can't do that. <laughs> but what he can do is he can pervert what people say by setting up that demonic filter. It's crazy, man. It's so crazy. But that's exactly, I believe, what we're experiencing right now. And have been experiencing. You know, it's, it's crazy. But that's what we ought to pray for, man. We really have to pray for God to really intervene and, 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 and really break the power of this spirit of confusion and this spirit of, you know, division that's been released in this nation. Never seen so much division in my entire life. It's crazy. It's always been, you know, well, you know, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, you know, whatever, you know. It's always been that, you know, but it's never been like, I mean, like, craziness that we see now. It's crazy, man. And you got to know that it's demonic. You got to know that, that the devil's fully involved in all of this. You know, this is not just people. This is, this is you know, the devil lighting a match. And set people on fire, man, to do crazy Amen. things. Amen. So it's crazy, man. But anyway, I got to get ready to close. I'll give you one more thought and then I'll, I'll, I'll close. How about that? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I'll give you one more thought and then I'll pick this up on Sunday. How about that? God, give you, give me one more time to share my heart. You, you guys all right with this? It's all right kind of message. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know it's different. You know, it's not like. But in Genesis chapter 11, verses 26 through 32, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this real quick because I want to show you this point. But it says, um, Genesis 11, 26 through 32, it says, After Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram and Nahor and Haran, his, his firstborn. Now, so Terah was the father of Abram, who, we, who, who will eventually become Abraham, right? And it says, now these are the records of the descendants of Terah. Terah was the father of Abram, or Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. 
Haran died before his, his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abraham and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, later called Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the, the father of Milcah and Iscah. And it says, but Sarai was barren. She did not have a child. Terah took Abram his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his, grand, his um, daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went out together to go from Ur of the Chaldeans into the land of Canaan. Now see, I, this, I want to show you something. See, now Terah and his family are in Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. And they set out on a mission to go to the land of Canaan. Now you know Canaan eventually becomes the promised land, right? So he's on his way to Canaan. And he says, but when they came to Haran, about 550 miles north of Ur, they settled there. So on his way to Canaan, he didn't get all the way in. He stopped and settled in this land called Haran. And it says, and Terah lived 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, it says, now in Haran. Now, see, now these guys are in Haran. The Lord said to Abram, go away from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you abundantly. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing and a source of great good to others. And I will bless you or do good for you, uh, do good for those who, who bless you. And I will curse the one who curses you. And he says, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. It says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had directed him. And Lot, his nephew, went with him. And it says, Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions when they had, which they had acquired. And the people which they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Now, get on the piano. This is a real quick thought that I'm going to share with you about getting the next generation started. See, Abraham's father, Terah, set out from the Earl of Chaldeans to go to Canaan, which is the promised land. But he fell short of his goal. He was only able to bring them to Haran, and he settled there. Now, I don't, I don't know what made him decide you know, to go to Haran. I don't know if God spoke to him. I don't know what happened. But somehow he knew that that's where he and his family needed to go. And he was right, right? He was absolutely right. But he wasn't able to get his family there. He fell short of the goal. And I'll put it here, see, as fathers and mothers, and even spiritual fathers and mothers, it's our goal to take our children as far as we can. Then it's up to them to take it further. You see, since Terah couldn't get his family to Canaan, God gives Abraham the mandate to complete the mission. He tells him to leave his father's house and continue the journey that his father had started. This mandate and promise is passed down from Abraham to Isaac, then from Isaac to Jacob, and then to the 12 sons of Jacob. Every generation got closer and closer to the ultimate promise of possessing Canaan as their home. With that being said, and this is how I'm going to get ready to close. What are you going to pass down to your children? How far are you going to go? And how far are you going to be able to take them 
to help them get closer to the promise. You see, the issue is that specifically in our community, right, black communities, we don't leave our children with anything to get started with. And I put here, and I see this is the toe-stepping thing. Most families don't even have life insurance. <laughs> Everybody can do that. At least it will leave your family and children something to get started with. Most black families, however, leave nothing but a funeral debt that their kids have to pay. So not only do they have to start off with nothing, oftentimes they start off in debt. And they have to find thousands of dollars to even bury their, their, their parents, their loved ones, and stuff like that. See, Tara took it so far. I mean, he took them from Ur of the Chaldeans all the way to Haran, which was not that far from Canaan. He didn't make it to Canaan, but at least he got them close. See, you may not, you may not become a millionaire, but you can get your kids closer to that mark. Right? You may not be able to go take it all the way. But see, it's like, it's like running a relay race. It's like you start running, and then you got to hand it off to the next generation. And then they start running, and then they can hand it off to the next generation. We got to break this cycle, this generational curse, where every generation starts off with nothing. Without making any progress, we have to make progress in life and then pass it off to the next generation and so that they can make progress. So that they can start off easier than what, the way we started. Every generation should have it a little bit easier. You know, it shouldn't be just as hard for, for them as it is for us. You know, I, I struggle, you need to struggle too. You know, that's, 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 a, that's a horrible mindset. He took them to Haran. He couldn't get them to Canaan, but he took them to Haran. Abraham got into Canaan. And then every step of the way, his, his sons got closer. His sons got closer until eventually they possessed that land. So we have to learn how to take it. That's, that's what I labeled it. I labeled it. I labeled it, how far will you take it before you hand it off to the next generation? God has given us all a mandate to take it as far as we can. Just take it as far as you can take it. Nobody's saying you got to go all the way. Just, just get as far as you can. Just get closer. Just keep getting closer. You know? And so when, they, when, you're, when your children, when your grandchildren, when, when, when you pass it down, they're able to take it a little bit further. Every generation should be able to take it a little bit further. Amen? Amen. Again, these are just some thoughts I have, but I'm just going to close right there. But, I, you know, there's some other things I want to share with you, but I don't want to get too late. Just lift your hands to Jesus. We're going to get ready to close right here. I pray that you enjoyed that, that it, it kind of, like, blessed you a little bit. These are just some things that was on my As I'm studying the scriptures, you know, God just communicating to me, and I felt like I'm communicating to you. But, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just praise you. We bless and worship you. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for speaking to us. I pray, Father, that one of the things, something that was communicated tonight, blesses and helps your people. 
that they received him, that they were blessed by him, that it will be something that will truly make an impartation in their life that they'll be able to use. And Father, we just thank you and bless you. We give you all the praise, the glory, and honor. We thank you for this beautiful evening. We thank you for your word to us. All of your word is beautiful. All of it is rich. All of it is awesome. And we thank you for your word tonight. We give you praise for it. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now listen, if you're here tonight, you're watching on Facebook, you've never given your life to Jesus, you want to do that tonight, I just want to pray for you. Not going to take long with this, but I always want to close out with an altar call just to make sure that people are, are ready. I believe we're getting closer and closer to the end. And, and, with, and with that being said, we all need to be ready. We don't got no time to be getting ready. We need to be ready. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, you want to do that tonight, I want to pray for you. That's you, you're here, you stand up. If you're watching on Facebook or you're watching on, on uh, YouTube or anything like that, just right where you are. I want you to just pray this simple prayer. I want everybody to say this prayer with me inside here. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. You died for my sins. And you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let's just give Jesus a praise. Amen, 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 amen. Well, to God be the glory. Amen, amen. All right, let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious and merciful, kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, grant you his holy peace in Jesus' matchless name. I want anybody to say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. and I can't be cursed. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. I love you. Have a beautiful, beautiful evening. And I will see you Sunday at 10 a.m. Bless you.